Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits. C103. And looking across the rest of the week from Met Air and from weather forecast point of view, it doesn't look like it's going to be a bad week at all after what was a lovely, lovely weekend for most of the time. I know St. Patrick's Day in the morning, certainly where I was, uh, we had some wet weather, but then it was lovely for the afternoon and certainly across the weekend. It was lovely to see that uh, spring sunshine. And while it was a bit chilly, if you were standing out in any sunshine, it really felt lovely and warm. A very good morning to you as we welcome you along on this Monday morning. We've got Bernie sitting in for John Paul this week taking your calls at 0818 103 103 and you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 and we, we hope that everybody had a nice comfortable relaxing weekend it was nice to have the four days off felt a bit strange didn't know what day of the week it was particularly when I think by the time it got to Saturday but it was terrific to see so many people turn out to all of the various parades all over the country and watch it on both RTE and on Virgin Media when they did the roundup of all of the parades, such colour at the parades and people really seemed to have put so much effort into St. Patrick's Day Parade this year, probably because it was our first in three years. So well done and take a bow all of the organisers of the parades because a lot of work goes into it. For the majority of us, we just go out and we watch it and we cheer and we clap and we enjoy it, but you forget all of the work that goes on behind the scenes in organising parades like that. So well done to all of those voluntary St. Patrick's Day committees all over the country. You did yourself proud. If there's anything you want to share with us from over the weekend, I'd love to hear from you. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 and a lot of talk in the papers uh, today and online about the refugee uh, crisis and tens of thousands every day forced to flee Ukraine. It would just break your heart to hear and see some of the photographs that are coming out of Ukraine. And actually, I think it was the Daily Mail today did a really good montage of photographs where they've taken photographs that were taken last 
week and then they side by side they took a photograph from the Second World War of a similar photograph which would have been a black and white photograph taken back in the 1940s of refugees fleeing during the war during the Second World War and then what's happening today in in 2022 and it just seems so hard to believe that we are going through this and what we are uh, witnessing and I know a number of the papers are saying that large arenas including our own in North Cork, the Green Glens Arena in Mill Street and the National Show Centre in Dublin they're both now, there's the possibility they're going to be lined up. Now they're going to be lined up as short term accommodation for Ukrainian refugees arriving into this uh, country more than 10 million people now the the UN reckon have been displaced and have fled their homes since the Russian invasion began. And remember, it isn't even a month yet since the Russians uh, invaded. Up to Friday of last week, 9,000 refugees have come to Ireland, even though that number would have gone up over the weekend. Now, the government obviously scrambling now to find hotel rooms to house the Ukrainians. There was a bit of a problem with this last week because many hotels, of course, were booked out because of the week week and the weekend that was in it. So there was a bit of a problem trying to find accommodation because many of the refugees that are arriving now don't have family members. At the start, the beginning of, say, three weeks ago when the war first started, people that were arriving here had family connections here, sons and daughters living here, brothers and sisters living here, aunts and uncles living here who had already located and were working here from the Ukraine. But in the last probably week to 10 days, the people that are arriving, many of them have absolutely no connection at all. They just need a safe place to stay until the war ends in the Ukraine. So obviously the scramble was on then to try to get them temporary accommodation. We know that there has been more than 20,000 offers of accommodation and that's come in from homeowners all over the country and the government at the moment are prioritising placing refugees in vacant homes that have been pledged and then the shared accommodation which was the bulk in fairness of the 20,000 offers are people saying look I've got a spare bedroom I've got a double room I've two rooms empty children have flown the nest I saw a a lovely read a lovely article of a woman in Dublin in her mid 80s who had taken in a family of a mum and her three children she's you know in this house in Dublin and on her own and she said I could accommodate them and saying what great company they now are for and there was a gorgeous picture of them all sitting around having what looked like to be afternoon tea in her house and she was thrilled with herself to have these this young family staying uh, with her so that's some of the shared accommodation but what they're putting priority on the moment is on the vacant houses that have been offered and you know Roderick O'Gorman at the weekend Minister for Children he's obviously very much responsible because so many of these refugees arriving are young uh, children and they're saying you know at the that it is they're at crisis situation at the moment and what they have to prepare for if they suddenly get a huge surge of people arriving either at the ports at the airports and that's where the likes of the weekend the Green Glens Arena in Mill Street and the National Show Centre in Dublin they started saying look these could be possible locations because they're big locations and they will be able to move people then from any of the Dublin, Cork Shannon airports whatever airports they arrive into whatever ports they arrive into get them into these 
almost like holding centres, reception centres, get them there as quickly as possible to allow them to rest in the short term, to, you know, to gather their thoughts. And then from there, they can decide whether they're going to go on to hotel accommodation or maybe they'll be going on to some of these vacant houses or maybe they'll end up in shared accommodation. And the, the sort of accommodation at the Green Glens are in the National Show Centre. That very much is going to be a short term solution as are refugees staying at the moment in uh, hotels. And I heard Barry on the news uh, mention that the Defence Forces will be from today starting to check on accommodation that has been pledged through the Irish Red Cross just to make sure that it's suitable for the Ukrainian people who uh, will need to stay in all of those locations. So if you were one of the 15,000, it was about 15,000 contacted the Red Cross, you can start from today expecting to get calls just to have a chat with you to make sure what, what is the accommodation then obviously somebody will come out to take a look at it uh, etc. Now also and this came up on the programme last I, I, I keep saying last Friday as if that was our last show last Wednesday about would the government be paying people to take in refugees well the Thonish at the weekend came out and said no there's certainly no plan on the table for the government to pay uh, anyone and this obviously the reason that it got spoken about in this country was because a similar scheme has been put in place in in Britain. Anyone offering to take Ukrainian refugees, I think they're giving them £350 uh, to take in refugees per month or week. I'm not too sure exactly what it works out. But anyway, uh, that's what they were doing in Britain. People were saying, would we be doing something similar here? But the government are saying no, because remember on the other side of what the government are doing here for people that arrive with absolutely no means at all, they would be entitled to social welfare. So they'll be getting a payment a different way instead. And what the Thornish City of Radka were saying at the weekend, they are, and they know so far that the people who have put forward and offered to give either a room in their house are to give a vacant property. They are saying to the people, offer those rooms, please, for charitable reasons and not for uh, profit. And of course, the Thornista this weekend was speaking at the National Day of Remembrance that was held for COVID-19. And I don't, I, I, I sat and watched, it was an hour long programme. It was broadcast on RTE uh, yesterday and it was just, it was beautiful sunshine and it was the end of a long weekend and it was a chance for people to pay tribute to all those whose lives have been lost during the pan- pandemic and uh, many of their loved ones gathered at the gardens of uh, remembrance. And of course, the number of people who've died from the virus in, on the island of Ireland now has reached nearly 10,000 people and they were very much in our thoughts and in our memories at that National Day of uh, Remembrance and it was very much a reflection ceremony. It's a poignant event. It, had, it was musical performances, reflections and of course it very much acknowledged all of those who worked so tirelessly during the pandemic, all of those remembered and they stood side by side with the relatives of victims of uh, COVID-19 and it was good to see obviously all of the health workers uh, were remembered but it was good to see the retail workers were remembered the post men and women who did outstanding jobs they were all uh, remembered as well and actually on on post saw this this morning and I just thought this is a really really nice offer on behalf of on uh, post they have now recommenced postal services to the Ukraine obviously it stopped at the start of the Russian invasion but now obviously over in Ukraine they said look we're ready to get back delivering letters start sending your letters in so on post say okay we'll we'll start the postal service from our end to anyone who has loved ones in the uh, Ukraine and the Ukrainian postal service they're back up and running and as a 
like very kind gesture to people from Ukraine on post now are providing free postage of letters and parcels to the Ukraine. And that's for all Ukrainians living in this country are indeed the refugees that have recently arrived, which I think is a really kind offer. So let's get that message out to anyone who's from Ukraine or any of the refugees that have arrived free post. They can post letters, cards and send parcels back uh, to Ukraine. And you know, in fairness to Unpost, because people often knock a lot of our organisations and Unpost, certainly during COVID, stepped up to the mark when they did the free postal for people who were inside in nursing homes and uh, for older people, they were picking a post for them and the postmen and women were doing way more than just delivering post every day to older people, particularly when they were cocooning. They really were uh, terrific and they're once again stepping up to help out the Ukrainians. For example, when we were collecting for the Irish Red Cross last week, there was a couple of people had been, we were doing it obviously all online, but some people had turned up at the radio station with money and we couldn't accept, we didn't have any facility to accept donations of cash for the Red Cross. We were then sending people to their local post office if they wanted to donate that way because we knew that on post we're collecting for the Red Cross and they're also collecting for Concern and Goal and UNICEF and they've actually wavered all of their fees for all of those donations coming in uh, as well. And now for refugees arriving in this country, they're making uh, fee-free on-post current accounts and they're also giving them free on-post mobile SIM cards, which means anyone coming from the Ukraine will get free calls and texts uh, to the Ukraine, which is really, really, uh, you know, very kind of on-post. Well done. But just to let anybody from the Ukraine know, free postage for letters and parcels to the uh, Ukraine. And when I mentioned the remembrance ceremony that went on in uh, Dublin uh, yesterday and I mentioned the Thornish that was speaking at that, he of course was deputising on behalf of the Taoiseach Micheál Martin who was supposed to be there. And regardless of what political party you support, you couldn't help but feel sorry for Micheál Martin and what happened to him uh, over in America when he got tested positive for uh, COVID-19 and now of course he's in isolation in uh, Washington And but I read in the papers today that Neil Martin says he will do everything he possibly can to attend the vital EU leaders so much now that's due to happen in Brussels on Thursday of this week up to he's at day five now I think in isolation he's, he's doing his isolation at the Irish Ambassador's residence in uh, Washington he is expected to participate in the cabinet, the weekly cabinet meeting tomorrow. He'll obviously do that by uh, video link. And then a decision will be taken on whether he can travel to uh, Brussels. It'll all depend on whether he is symptoms free. And obviously he's going to have to have a negative test for uh, COVID. Now, he, he tested positive last Thursday. Of course, it was at the dinner. They discovered that he had tested positive and he had to be taken out immediately from the dinner and put into uh, isolation. He's The reports are he hasn't been feeling unwell. So many people tested positive from COVID will say that. Barely noticed they even had it and uh, he's remained active and he's in regular contact with officials and of course he only did the, the second, his first test was negative, he did the second test because somebody in his party had tested positive, positive one of the party travelling over from Ireland but he didn't have any symptoms at all. He probably wouldn't have even known that he had had COVID which would make you stop and think how many people have had COVID without even realising they've, they've had it because so many people seem to be getting COVID without, with little or 
are no symptoms, uh, which is, I suppose, we can take some comfort from that. And the EU Leaders Summit on uh, Thursday and Friday in Brussels. Now, it's the regular quarterly one, but it's a kind of an important one, I think, and one that he, that he, the Taoiseach Michael Martin would really like to attend because the US President Joe Biden is going to be attending the meeting because he is going over to, uh, he's involved in the meeting of, of NATO leaders in the Belgium uh, capital. So he's also going to attend the EU Leaders Summit while he is there. So we're waiting on a decision to see will Michael Martin be able to uh, attend or not. 0818103103. Bernie taking your calls this morning. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862. 103-103. A reminder that this Friday is a special Friday because it is the Irish Cancer Society's Daffodil Day and again like when we were talking about the cancellation of the parades for the last couple of years it's been the same for the Irish Cancer Society and their Daffodil Day and we here at C103 very proud to be supporting Daffodil Day next Friday March the 25th and daffodils will be available from any of the volunteers right across the city and county and of course all of the proceeds raised from what is the biggest fundraising day on behalf of the Irish Cancer Society will help fund free cancer support services and of course it goes on to give life-changing cancer research as well. If you'd like to take part, if you'd like to donate and help out in any way, then you can check out cancer.ie. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. And we all felt so proud of the volunteer from the Cork Humanitarian Aid Convoy that made its way across Europe to deliver 12 tonnes of aid to the people of Ukraine. Thankfully, all of them are back safe with us in Cork. So once again, I'm going to chat with Katrina Toomey of Cork Penny Dinners as she reflects on the trip. Good morning to you, Katrina. Morning, Patricia. And it's great to chat with you uh, again. So what was the journey back across Europe like? Do you know, it was tough going... Um we had so many hours to make it to the ferry, and we did so many lots of driving, and uh, that, that that worked out fairly well. I drove in Poland, and <laughs> I, I'll never forget it. Let's put it that way. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> they they drive on do they drive on the other side of the road to us? Um, yes, yeah. and they they go very fast, and like the roads are brilliant, absolutely outstanding. But they're quite fast, you know, and when you see, and you have to stay up there, you know, you have to be fast, like, to, to stay with them, like, so that was a bit of, um, <clears throat> that was daunting, but it was, you know, it was okay. So you've, um, you've honed your driving skills, if nothing I, else. Oh, sort of. <laughs> so you, you made it back. When did you, when did you actually get back to Cork? I think we got back Friday. Okay. Exhausted? Friday. Do you know what? Yesterday, you know, a few of us felt this. All right, we were very tired. The first one or two days back, you're kind of all over the place because people were talking to you and asking you how you get on. You were showing them the videos, the photographs and everything. And like yesterday, I think like you hit me. I was very tired yesterday. My legs were packing in and um, I'm okay now again today Good. and kind of up and running and um, you know we've been inside in Penny Dinners but like the welcome back was unreal all the lads coming to Penny Dinners were all saying we were praying for you we were lighting lights we were doing this we were doing that and that was just lovely to know that people that call uh, you know and all the welcome backs from them was amazing brilliant you know? yeah. when, when you look back on it what part of the trip do you think will stay with you forever um, there was a lot because a lot of it would have been totally new to me to see such horror and to see such pain. 
but I, I watched a man one time and I think that's one thing that stood out. He just looked very tall and thin and he was running with a pram and he was running up and down the, the line where the, 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 the inside the railings where the people were walking from one border to the next border. So from Ukraine, this was at Medica, so from Ukraine to, to Poland. But what was happening was people were coming with their children in their arms and they were falling down with exhaustion. And he was running down, lifting their babies and their toddlers into the prams and taking them out of the lane and running them up faster to the bus just to spare them that little bit. And I was watching him for a while. I had no idea what he was doing until I eventually figured out what he was doing. And sometimes you see him running with the pram in the hand around the mother to try and under her arm to try and Hold her help up. her along as well. And then we saw um, a woman who was falling down. She had two children with her. And she just kind of couldn't stand any longer. She was, whether it was relief, like they were crying because they were leaving their country. They were really, really crying. They were leaving their mothers, their fathers, you know, their husbands behind them. And they were broken hearted. And the tears were just unreal. The children were just blank. And we see children just fall to the ground. Do you know when a child falls to the ground when they're exhausted, here you see them, they're throwing their legs. Well, this was a different thing. They just literally fell, the whole body just kind of caved in and down they went, they sunk to the ground. And you see them there and the mother then trying to manoeuvre one child under one arm to lift the other child off the ground up. But the soldiers were brilliant any time they saw that, the soldiers uh, and the volunteers that were out there were running in to help them, you know, to, to lift the child and to, to help them as well. And you see the soldiers with the, the wheelchairs and putting people, the, the invalids, into the, the wheelchairs and wheeling them down to their buses. So there was um, there was just so many things, and I suppose I'd have to say the Polish had everything boxed off completely. Really had everything was catered for. Every person coming through was catered for. Even their tears, you know, there was young volunteers standing when they'd come in over the border with teddy bears, and they were handing them out to all the children, and they were welcoming them and smiling at them and just letting them know that they were safe. But all ages of volunteers, Polish, but the army and the, the police were extraordinary, really, in what they did. Yeah, I mean, we've been watching those scenes on TV and on social media. But Katrina, it's very different to actually be there, isn't it? Is. it? Yeah, It is, yeah. And to see the firefighters out there as well, like they... They were just running to help, you know, they were all in uniform to make themselves identifiable to the people. And they were just lifting them, carrying them. But to see all this and to see it happening, you've got to jump over the barrier yourself. I know. know. And to get them, it was just so hard. And all the stations that are set up for food for them... There was a load of doctors there and they had um, medical tents set up. You see people sitting there and drips being put into them, people having blood pressure taken, people being attended to for various different illnesses and stuff. So every station was covered for what people could need, whether it was no clothes was a difficult one because I tell you why, they only had backpacks and they couldn't carry them. And that was very, very difficult for them. So there was mountains of clothes out there. But what they were looking for was thermal vests, thermal, um, you know, any kind of thermal underwears. Because the first night we got there, we were up in Medica and we weren't left through the first night because there was there was a crisis, they said, pending. You know, something was, they were after getting windows, something going to happen. And they didn't, they wouldn't let us in. And it was a really, a no, no, no. And 
after a while, one of them that could speak English explained to them that they were doubling up and trebling up on their security because they got news that something was going to happen. And it did the years that... The there was, yeah, yeah, there was uh, near uh, close yeah. to the border. And what they said to us was that if we went in, we'd have to go about 40 kilometres to join the queue to get back out. And in the temperatures, it was colder over in the Ukraine, like minus 12, minus 14 at that stage. They told us we wouldn't last. And basically, and that we didn't know the lay of the land, and we wouldn't have known where. And they were right. We were driving. They were, they were right. Dead they, 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 were, they were. But yeah, that. Uh, but, but that's why thermal underwear, because it is just so cold over there. Oh, absolutely. We we had it on us, like you know, and we had jackets. Um, prime time retail gave us jackets to take out there for people uh, and pants, and we took them out. But we had to wear. We had to open the boxes and take them out because we had good jackets, or so we thought. But like nothing. When we put on, no, nothing. I when remember one of the one, yeah. one of the days last week. You actually, yeah, you, you, the word you used was "it's Baltic out here." I mean, literally, that, that <laughs> describes that level of it, it, it's know, cold into the bones, isn't it? Exactly, all over every part of you, you'd feel it. And we were looking then at the children. There was a supermarket right on the border, and then there's a camp below that where loads of people are. And there were small children sleeping on the ground in that Baltic weather light, you know, and they had, this is where the, the, the sleeping bags are, and the ground sheets, you know, those yoga mats. Yeah. This is where all these things are very, very beneficial, like that they, they need them because with, with things like that, it can spare them. Keep them off the cold ground. Yeah, yeah but yeah. it's the pain of the heartbreak that you described. These people That's leaving, else, they're yeah. leaving their, you know, their homes. I mean, I was even at the weekend uh, thinking about you coming back and I was looking around my own house saying, if I had to leave and... You what would you take? What would you take? You know, yeah. it's, like some of them only had plastic bags and yeah. some of them came in with nothing. Only yeah. a handbag. You know, I was like, they couldn't go back to their own house to get anything and they had to come back just go the way they, they were. But they were all crying. Oh, they were all heartbroken and they were sitting there crying and kneeling down crying and, and really so upset. The children then were trying to comfort their parents as well and most children were just standing there dazed and the parents like holding on to them and everything just looked so wrong and so hard and to see human beings suffer like that. And as I said, there was very little we could do because the soldiers at that stage had everything under control and they were getting them into the buses that were warmed up out of the cold and to let them sit down and relax. So we, we, we watched them doing that. In the meantime, we got a call from Cork to look out for a girl and her son. So we did. We went looking for, for them and Tom found them. Brilliant. And um, we brought them with us then and... Um, they knew, but she was in bits. That girl couldn't even speak to us. She was did so they, broken. Did, did, yeah. did, did, she, did she come back with you? We, what happened was, Donald O'Keefe from the Evening Echo was with us. Yeah. And Donald travelled up to Braslav um, to get a, a plane back with her oh, to great. bring her and the child back right. because... Like but she was she, when uh, they were young. Yeah, because yeah. I, I saw, I saw Donald's piece in the Echo. She seemed yeah. to be shell-shocked, that poor mother. Completely. Completely. She was in bits crying for her husband and her mother the whole oh, time. She couldn't stop God crying. She was broken. And they all were. God like, you them. see elderly people just walking along and it's the look they all had in their face, the look of probably, you know, as you say, shell shock, disbelief, but the pain at leaving, at leaving their country. They, they, they all wanted to go back to Ukraine and you just, that's the one thing that they all had in common 
we went up then to turn up to the air, to the railway station. There was a guy called Victor and his wife Christina. They're Ukrainian, but living in Chicago for the last seventeen years, and they took holidays and came over to mend that station up at the railway station, which was just incredible to to see the work that they were doing as well and what they and how they box things off like they have everything. Even when you're coming off that train, you know they're being kind of they're coming off and it, they're not being herded off, but the soldiers are waiting for them and they're lifting them. We saw a soldier lift a woman and a child because the woman could hardly walk up the steps. And he just bent down, lifted her up as well with the child in her arms and carried her up the steps. And he was kind of comforting her, like telling her, it's OK, no, it's OK. You're safe, you're safe. Yeah, yeah. You're safe and as you know. it, but would we all be the same if we had to leave right. Ireland? You, you know, you'd be just... And, and remember, they're leaving, as you say, mothers, fathers. They're leaving husbands. They're leaving sons, brothers. Yeah, you know, that they might never see you again. Ju- you, just, you, would, would you, you would yeah. just want to get back there as, as quickly yeah. as possible. And the other thing that keeps going through my mind when I'm looking at any of the film footage a month ago these people were leading normal lives the same as us they yep. were getting up on a Monday morning and they were heading off to work and the children were going to school and life was normal yep. and within Absolutely. a month they're, they're fleeing you know they're saying like 10 million people now have been displaced uh, listen uh, will you go back again Katrina? Yes we are oh. we're going back and this time we're kind of doing it a little bit different we have two articulated uh, lorries and they're being sponsored for us, and they're going to go out, and we're going to fly in, rent out the minibuses, because it's cheaper outside rather than doing that 20-odd hours yeah. of driving both ways, and then 18 hours on the, the ship like that. 40 hours of travelling, because you have to come back to Cork then from Ross Lair. So uh, it's about 41, 42 hours of travelling. So we, we'll knock all that out of the water. It's only like 50 euros to rent a van for a day out there. And, and the fellas that we were talking to, like I said, they'd do a deal if we were renting to a tree, you know, and more. So, yeah, fly so, out, yeah. it gives you more time in the ground then to do so what we're you need to out. do. And we, we have a list, like, medical aid is first and foremost. Any type of hospital medical aid or first aid medical aid. And definitely we need the thermals and we need uh, tents sleeping bags and we need uh, the ground sheets, the yoga mats. We also need as much baby food and as much nappies as we can get our hands on because the amount of babies that are coming through there and the toddlers and all of that is just so heartbreaking to watch. And food, noodles, like noodles are very practical because they can boil water in the snow if they're stuck out in the snow that the st- when the stuff goes and make up the noodles straight away and they can put into the noodles and things like hot cups noodles pot noodles and um, tin meat tinned uh, tuna like base like rather than taking a whole shop out there we, we're going to keep it kind of you know confined to what we what we been asked to bring stuff that they can eat on the go and and when do you plan to go Katrina well, we're hoping that the, the artists will go around the, the 8th of April. Okay. All and right. we'll meet them then because we'll, it'll take them about four days to get we'll, back. We'll, right. t- we'll talk to you before that and um, and start giving shout outs, more shout outs to, to what you need. In the meantime, good to have you back. Look after yourself. Be back. Yeah. Look after yourself and we'll talk Thanks, again Patricia. soon. God bless. Thanks take care. You. That's the wonderful uh, Katrina Toomey of Cork uh, Penny Dinners. Cork today on C103. Call
Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. Now, it was Friday uh, evening when the North Cork community rallied to get a former convent that had been emptied for 10 years ready for almost 50 refugees from Ukraine with just a few hours' notice. Ger Sheehan is the acting civil defence officer in North Cork and Ger joins me to outline what happened on uh, Friday. Hey, good morning to you, Ger. Uh, good morning, Patricia. Uh, How are you doing? I'm, 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 I'm doing well. I, I followed this on social media at the weekend. Incredible, incredible what uh, the North Cork Civil Defence and the rest of the community did. Now, it's the uh, old convent building in Butterfant. Can you just outline how the story unfolded and what you needed to do to get the convent ready in such a short space of time? Well, it's about, um, just to go back, I think it was five years there, Patricia, not ten years, it was unoccupied. But okay. um, I suppose there was a phone call came in at 6pm on Friday evening to the local community, and um, and I think by half past six, there were 20 people in there already. We got a phone call shortly after 7 o'clock, and um, we sent out our text to all our volunteers in Cocknock Civil Defence, and by half eight, I suppose, we had up to 19 volunteers there um, assisting, and the community in fairness around the locality as well was very good and turned out. And I'd say basically by nine o'clock, there was well up to 60 or 70. We don't know exactly, but there was definitely up to 60 or 70 people there with all hands on deck in fairness to, to the community in Butterfront and to civil defence as well. So you, you have an empty convent, structurally per- building perfect, but do you have beds? That, no, that was a big problem as well. There was beds. There was there was a number of beds in the the convent that were obviously unoccupied because the nuns that were there years ago, and basically so there was a big um, call out on Friday evening trying to get beds. And in fairness, to the act of kindness page, uh, Dennis Wine and one of our um, one of our volunteers put up a post on the act of kindness page as well, and the community as well. There was a big search around for beds. So, we went around in, in, in the civil defence van and tried and picked up a number of beds from people that kindly donated them. And there was other, uh, the local community were donating beds as well. So as far as it was a big search, I was in a shock note at the time to get the beds in for the people and the bedding and everything. Yeah, and then there was duvets, the duvet covers, the beds had to be made up, towels. Um, did you have to organise food? Oh, yes, there was a catering company came in that evening that was organised by the the people that owned the building. Great. But there was there was a lot of cleaning to be done as well. There was no heating working. There was a lot of plumbing to be done. So there was a lot of skills where that was brought in as well. So anyone that had, had a skill were asked to come in Brilliant. to give a hand and cleaning, cleaning down walls and toilets had to be made sure they were running. And there was a lot of work to be done in a short period of time because, I mean, the first report came, they were coming in at 11 o'clock. That only gave a three-hour time frame. But... So they, were, they obviously got to the air, but they eventually arrived into Budapest just shortly after 2am on Saturday morning. They were being bussed from Dublin Airport, I assume, wasn't That's it? That's right. There, yeah. was a, there was a coach came in from Dublin Airport into Budapest around that time. And how many arrived, Ger? There was up to, to 40, and there was another few came in on Saturday evening as well, then, as well as they were aging from the age of one up to up to 60 and there was I think there was four men in, in, in that number as well then up maybe six to ten kids uh, came as well and between Saturday and I uh, sorry between Saturday morning and coming in Saturday night as well then and children of, of from from one up 
Or one the youngest of, course, of the yeah. youngest was there, was, there, there was a one year old that was the youngest wow yeah. wow and I take it exhausted when those buses pulled in oh I'd say they were tired I'd say oh, they wanted to see was speed I'd say because they were probably on the move from early early morning probably getting on in the airplane and then they had the long travel down from Dublin down to down to Budapest as well all right, and as you say, everybody just, the call went out and anyone who could do anything did and anyone who could donate uh, did. Are you um, at this point looking for anything additional? No, um, probably from yesterday evening, the whole place was kind of um, gridlocked with donations of every kind of thing that was requested. The whole, so they had to kind of call it hard because there was no room inside in the in the, the centre itself. So they ended up, um, there was another centre being opened up just outside Newcastle West. So we ended up, trans- uh, Limerick came up there, Limerick Civil Defence came up and picked up um, two van lords just the evening and brought it down because Vodafone was overflowing with materials. So I think what they're doing long term now, from what I was talking to someone if in the community this morning, is they're going to be setting up some fundraising programme and they're hoping to launch that today or Brilliant. sometimes or during the week sometimes, just for particular items. I mean, it's only kind of probably today now that the residents or the, the refugees that came in are going to be kind of really settling down. They, they got handed over the whole convent yesterday for themselves and kind of working and use it themselves. And they'll obviously will be requiring special, they'll be looking for special requirements. So basically that might be put up on social media. They, for example, yesterday now they, they decided they'd not tin off nor yesterday morning to yeah. open tins. The pra- and, these are the small practical things that you just yeah, don't think small of. practical things yeah. that they're actually looking for. Another example would be hair dryers and hair straighteners that yeah. they hadn't got either. And in fairness, anything, anything they requested, in fairness to the community of Bordefant. Somebody they, had they, one. They, Somebody they, had they a had them and they were dropped down when they were requested straight All right, away. Well, we'll, we'll, if you, if we, we'll put a shout out to whoever's involved uh, in helping in Bordefant if they want to make contact with us. We'd we'll be only too pleased to chat with anyone, uh, particularly if there's any fundraising going on or if there's any items in particular that they are looking for. But listen, Ger, to you and you, your guys, everybody involved with Civil Defence, you played a blinder at the weekend. Uh, so you can be very and proud of your achievements. Just a special thanks again in fairness to Dennis Mine, and he He's was sending brilliant. messages at half half one in the morning there to, on the page. So he was he was coordinated very good as well in that act of kindness page in Mallow, and it kind of there's a lot of there's a lot of people in the in the local community are on the act of kindness page, and the amount of people that were contacted even directly through civil defence was unreal to help out in this in this event. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well done. Well done, Ger. And listen, thank you for taking time to talk to us this morning. No problem. Thanks, Patricia. Take care. Bye bye. bye That is Ger Sheen, acting civil defence officer in North Cork. As I say, anyone in Butterfront involved now with helping the refugees to settle in, if they want to make contact, we'd love to uh, hear from you. And if we can be of any use, uh, we'd be only too willing to help out. 0818 103 103. Bernie is taking your calls. She's sitting in for John Paul. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103. 103. And thanks to Michael in Castleton Bear, who has, I think, has sent in a text every Monday morning following the Dancing with the Stars on Sunday night. And from day one, Michael has been tipping Nina Carberry as the person to lift. Is it a glitter ball? Did they give a glitter ball for Dancing with the Stars last night, the semi-final night? And we now know our finalists, Erica Cody, Nina Carberry, uh, Jordan Conroy, and young Ellen Keane, they've been really revealed as the four stars 
who will now go forward to the final next Sunday night. And Michael says, Patricia, if Tipperary can produce some stars of the day, obviously he's reflecting on Rachel Blackmore, so too can County Meath. Another standing ovation and the cheering that 37-year-old Nina Carberry received last night as she cleared the final fence in Dancing with the Stars. And now she's on the long run into the winning post next Sunday night, please God. What a record performance last night for that dance. The best in five years. Famous trainer Noel Mead hailed her father, Tommy Carberry as a genius in the saddle have no doubt but his daughter Nina is now a genius on the dance floor as well as the saddle one of the all time greats of the amateur ranks she won the Irish Grand National on organised confusion that was back in 2011 for her uncle Arthur Moore and with the help of everybody's vote next Sunday night she could pass the winning post again see all the, the racing puns thank you for that Michael a lot of people I think will be with you on that um, I, it's it's hard to know where her, I think all four, I think the four, the best has made it through to the final, which I think is always good because when it goes down to a public vote, it can go any way at all. And that often happens in the early parts of these competitions. It's not necessarily the best dancer, the best singer, the best skater that goes through to the next round. It's normally the people's choice of who people like more than anything. But then usually by the time we get to the very end stage, last couple of weeks, the Queen really does rise to the top. So I do think the four best dancers are there. We wish them all luck. And I know, as I say, Michael has been rooting for Nina from the start, as have a lot of people, a lot of people. Thank you for your text, Michael. Now, some people on to us. We were talking about what's happening in Bottevant, the old convent in Bottevant, now home to about 50-odd Ukrainian refugees and hopefully they're settling in well. And I know the community in Botswana, they're a community with a big, big heart, as we know, uh, with communities all over this gorgeous city and county in which we call home. And I know they'll be very welcoming of them and helping them all uh, to settle in. Joe in Kilmadoc was on to say that there is a convent in Kilfinnan. It's been lying idle for the past uh, few years. There's also a priest's house in Kilfinnan that's lying idle that he feels they would also be suitable for refugees. Well, I think that that's what the government now, they are looking at old convents. And I know the church and all of the religious orders have been very quick to say, look, we have a building. If it can be of any use, you know, please feel free to take a look. That's how the convent in Butterfant was identified. It would have been the nuns there would have initially made contact with, I suppose, Department of Foreign Affairs, Department of Children. I don't know who they got in contact with. But a lot of and priests, priest houses can often be big buildings that they have been lying empty as well. But it's getting them ready in such a short space of time, which is what happened in Bottle. And that's why I think everybody who helped out on Friday night, outstanding what people did to get a call at half six and for the bus, the buses to roll in at 2am in the morning with absolutely exhausted refugees on board and to have beds made up and ready and plumbing and everything organised. It was terrific. It really, really was uh, terrific. Uh, Michael in Bantry says, uh, Patricia, do you know if, with the refugees coming from from Ukraine, could, could, you, could you host one if you lived in a council house? Couldn't see any reason why not, uh, Michael. I mean, again, anyone who's got an offer of a spare room, it's the Irish Red Cross that you need to get onto because they're the ones processing that and they're today starting to do callbacks and checking up on people who have made an offer and then they'll try and match people 
when the refugees when in need of housing but they're working through things about 20,000 people but I don't see any reason why not because I did hear it won't interfere you know people were worried about living alone allowance and would it interfere with somebody's fuel allowance and I, I heard that I heard the government come out and say no that supports like that are not going to be affected if you're going to host a refugee and most of those refugees will stay they hope for the shortest period of time possible. They just want to go home. And of course, we also spoke with the wonderful Katrina Toomey. John is in Blackpool and says, Patricia, I'd love to give some of the items that Katrina Toomey spoke about that she needs. Where do I drop them uh, off? Well, I'm assuming, John, if you contact Katrina to Penny Dinners, she'll let you know exactly where the drop off point if it isn't Penny Dinners, even though I think they were, they certainly were collecting items before at Penny Dinners. So certainly if you go down that route, you should be have no problem at all. But it's medical aid in particular what Katrina is collecting for because she's been out there now. She knows what the needs are. And then we've been contacted by Carneys of Mallow. They are a bus company in Quartertown in Mallow. Now, I did mention this last week and I did promise I would mention it again this week because it's happening next weekend. They will be placing a bus at the Mallow Motor Factors on the Limerick Road. Now it's going to be next Saturday. It'll be there from half nine until 2pm for people to come to drop off donations that will then ultimately wing its way to Ukraine. The bus will be coming then back to Quartertown to Sheen's Butcher's Warehouse where it'll be offloaded put into an Arctic trailer and then it will be shipped to Ukraine. Now they're not taking any cash donations but they have a list of essential that they are collecting next Saturday in Mallow. They're looking for any kind of non-perishable food items, canned goods, kind of like the things that Katrina was talking about, the noodles, kind of the fast foods, the hot cup soups, the cans of tuna, the cans of meat, anything that can be open and almost eaten straight away or just some hot water added to it as instant as possible. you, You can imagine people on the move, they need desperately need food but they they need something they can eat while they're actually on the go. So they're also going to be collecting blankets, shower gel and shampoo, toilet rolls, things like toothbrush and toothpaste, deodorants. They're looking for nappies and formula for babies. They're looking for new babies' bottles. And obviously, if you're donating babies' bottles, they can't be ones you had at home yourself, even though they're probably perfect, but they need to be sealed heading over to Ukraine. They're looking for any kind of sanitary products, sanitary towels, tampons. They're looking, and you just think of some young woman fleeing, you know, with baby arms and the bits she's got in a backpack in her back and she gets her periods in the middle of it. You just think, my God. So sanitary products definitely needed. Baby wipes for the babies and for the adults. Calpol, Panadol, any kind of pain relief like that. And then for the smallies to try to distract the children. Colouring books and crayons. And chocolate seems to be going down a treat. I saw saw somebody had some of the volunteers that were on the Polish border had literally table loads of kind eggs and the little ones coming through and their eyes lighting up seeing kind eggs. Kind eggs seems to they seem to travel don't they all over the world. So if you have any of those items and you'd like to donate them and you're in the North Cork area Mallow area next Saturday morning half nine until two at the Mallow Motor Factors that's on the Limerick Road and good luck to everybody at Carneys of Mallow for organising that and we will do our best to try to remind you about that uh, again before the end of the week. 
week. 0818103103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 C103 Jobs. With Munster Technological University, enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full-time, part-time and professional courses. Succeeding together with mtu.ie. Electricians are wanted with experience, please, in industrial, pharma and data centres. CVs to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. Person wanted for laying all types of paving, 087 253 1853. Two people wanted for immediate start to work on the air contract in the West Cork area, 087 2529 And the Maryborough House Hotel, they've got vacancies for spa therapists and assistant food and beverage manager. Email cover note, please, with your CV to mduncliffe at maryborough.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 And thank you to your listeners just pointing out when we were talking about the convent in Botovant, which is now home to 50-odd Ukrainian refugees. And I was saying with the nuns, I must have been contacted to see if it could be used or they put an offer that they could use it for the refugees. Somebody's pointed out that the convent in Botovant is privately owned. It's nothing to do with the nuns anymore. And of course, it was sold. I'd forgotten that it got sold a number of years ago. So thank you. Uh, for pointing that out 0818103103 Now people right across Cork are being urged to bring unused or out of date medicines to their local pharmacies after figures showed that over two thirds of accidental poisonings involve children in the home To chat about the HSE's dump campaign I'm joined by Mallow pharmacist uh, Peter Weedle Good morning to you Peter Good morning Patricia And and you're very welcome and it's interesting we had already booked Peter to join us to talk about this uh, topic today and lo and behold when I mentioned Peter was coming on loads of people assumed straight away I was bringing him on about COVID and vaccine with lots of people with questions uh, for Peter (laughs) so just let me start with uh, COVID many people are saying could you ask Peter are we in the middle of another wave of COVID? Uh, Well we never left it really Patricia Uh, there's a new there's a new variant to the Omicron and BA2 uh, which is widespread now in Europe and, and UK. Um, I think um, we probably moved too fast. Um, certainly, if you look around and over the weekend, very few people wearing masks. Uh, people that are wearing masks are standing out. Um, yes, we are. Um, now, the beauty is, of course, we're well protected with the vaccination and so on. But the, the, the hospital figures are going up. Um, I heard today a lot of children in the hospital as well. We know that the, the dose for the children's vaccine between 5 and 11 was insufficient. Data from America is showing that somewhere between 12 to 16 percent of efficacy. So, yeah, we, we, we were a little bit premature in, in saying COVID is over. It's not. And also in that younger age group, there was a slower uptake of the vaccine as well, wasn't it? Yes, there was. And I think that all feed, fed into, you know, government policy, which was, you know, you don't need cert- certification going into, um, you know, restaurants or bars and so on. Um, I think it was just a little bit. We went a bit. We went a bit too fast. Too, uh, we 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 lost the run of ourselves too quickly. I think. Um, but no. people and and I made the point earlier. I don't think in any time during the two years of this pandemic have I now personally known so many people at the moment who have COVID nineteen. Oh like, yeah, yeah. It, it's and, right. and and so many people are getting it for a second time. Yeah, because it's the it's the change of the variant. It's the Omicron, which we know is far more infectious, 
but less lethal, if you will. So it's not as deadly as the, the Delta virus, but it's more transmissible. Now, obviously, it's, that, it's the, the, the various uh, vari- variations of the virus is adapting to live with us. You know, it's, it's trying to live with us. It's trying to keep us alive, but it's trying to keep itself alive and spread throughout the population. And that's what's happening. Um, so it's uh, it's it's not that it's very clever. It's just that because it because of the variations that occur with viruses, it's whatever one is the most um, adaptable to 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 keep us alive. Because if it kills the host, then it doesn't have anywhere itself to live. So it, it's just the nature. It's 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 mother nature at its best, basically. But for the majority of people, and not everyone, because as you say, the hospital numbers are rising. The majority of people, they're not very unwell with it. Correct, correct. It's, yeah. it's, it's less. It's, it, 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 the, the, it's come down to being about 1.2 on the last figure I saw compared to flu. So, I mean, flu has always been lethal as well and, and very dangerous. Uh, but we've learned to live with flu. And if you go back to the beginning of the Delta phase, you know, we were looking at something that was three, four, five times more lethal than flu. I, the last figure I saw, which might be old by now, which was about, we were at about 1.2. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's more than a bad flu at the moment. Yeah, and b- but for people who get it, they still need to isolate. Oh, absolutely, because they're going to transmit it to others. And it's, 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 it's transmitting it to the person who is immunocompromised, yeah. the person who's got diabetes, the person who is um, elderly, uh, you know, um, and the people that are at more risk. We've still got to protect them. Now, they've taken up the vaccine, and the vaccine uptake in Ireland has just been off the Richter scale, probably the best in the world. Um, but, um, and that's given us great protection, but we, we now see in the UK, I think as of, as of today, they're now giving spring boosters so they're going back now with a fourth dose to the over 75s and to the people over 12 who are immunocompromised. And they've started that programme today. Because I heard the Taunish at the weekend, Leo Varadkar, saying that a fourth dose is expected, but he said not for everybody. Yeah, and that's exactly what the UK have done it, yeah. uh, as of today. And I, I, I don't know what the Irish details are. It hasn't been made public yet, but I suspect we will need to look at a, at a, at a, uh, a fourth dose. I, and, I, and it's probably going to be ongoing. It's going to be, uh, if, if, in my opinion, and it's only my opinion, not uh, what government are saying, I think that probably we would be best to vaccinate everyone again come September and then for those that are over a certain age, be it 60, 65, whatever the line they want to draw, plus immunocompromised, another dose next March. So yeah. those that are, are vulnerable, probably every six months, and those that are not vulnerable, probably once a year. Yeah, I know what Leo Varadkar was saying, that whatever this fourth dose he was saying around the middle of the year, it would have to be before next winter. I mean, I think initially yes. they were they were sort of saying, "Oh, it'll be a winter thing," yeah. but I think they're already accepting now that it, it, it is going to have to be earlier. Somebody else says, "Could you ask Peter what about testing for COVID nineteen? The testing model has changed." Yes, because I mean, bottom line, as you said uh, earlier, Patricia, it's it's everywhere. Uh, we we all know people that have got COVID now. So the idea of testing and, and tracing and isolating, they've, they've really abandoned that now at this stage. Uh, and, and, you know, we're not getting the new uh, reports every night because we're now learning to live with it. And really, it's a case of f- why bother reporting that there is, you know, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 cases in the country today. You know, it's yeah. th- there isn't any point. And for most people, you just do an antigen test, and if the antigen test comes up positive, that's it. You don't have to now refer on for a PCR test. Correct. 
Correct, yeah. you don't have to. Okay, and Anne says, could you ask Peter, I got the Johnson single dose vaccine and I got one booster, so I've only had two shots. Do I need a third? Probably not yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it would depend on timing. But yeah, we've done a lot of people who had their single dose Janssen back in um, the summertime and they've got a booster, let's say, in the last few weeks. Um, they're probably well covered at the moment because the data is quite strong that it does give a very good um, uh, response, especially where you've mixed vaccines, where someone had one vaccine on the first course and a different vaccine on the second course. And of course, we're using nothing but Pfizer now at the moment. They tend to get a better response than someone who had just Pfizer all the way. Money, all the way. Yeah. And are you, you, are you you're still running vaccination clinics? Still running, Patricia. Yeah, we've yeah. sixty or seventy people booked in this week, and uh, okay. uh, and I know we'll have we'll have people we'll, we'll still be running right through into the end of April because some of the younger people, the twelve to fifteen year olds, uh, some of them uh, they, they have to wait six months since their second dose. So I know I've, we've one uh, person who's booked in, or a twelve year old booked in for twenty second of April or something like that because that they'll be that'll be six months from their date. So I mean, again, people have been very good, and especially some of the teenagers coming through have been great coming forward getting their vaccinations with their parents and so on so yeah, yeah it's, it's good a mother says a 9 year old and 11 year old both had COVID at Christmas haven't been vaccinated how soon can they get a vaccine I think the HSC are vaccinated the under under 12 so the 5 to 11 year olds are all being done by the HSC and I think they're doing it after a month after so it's a month, usually a month okay. after an infection Okay, all right. And let's go back to the issue, your mind of information. Let's go back to the issue that we did invite you on about. This is the disposing of unused uh, uh, medicines and we're asking people to do it properly. Do you believe every single household has some element of unused or out-of-date medicine in the cupboard? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, you know, whether we ended up buying a a packet of paracetamol or a bottle of cough bottle or we get prescription medicines, we all tend to have some medicines lying around the house somewhere, hopefully in a safe place. And so, I mean, it, it's actually Cork County Council, Cork City Council, Kerry County Council, um, organised by the HSC and with the HSC, have funded um, what they call a dump campaign. The dump stands for disposal of unused medicines properly. And the idea is to remove these medicines from people's houses so that they're not uh, available to people to act for accidental poisoning, especially with children, or they're not there for, let's say, overdose attempts or um, inappropriate sharing of the medicine. And so for all those reasons, uh, you know, to try and get them out, out of the houses and into uh, and then dispose of them properly, you know, we don't want medicines being thrown into, uh, you know, the, uh, ordinary uh, bins for going to, uh, to the dump or whatever. Uh, and going into landfill because then we're contaminating the environment. So by dropping them back to the pharmacy, the pharmacy has uh, bins for it to, for it to be disposed of, and then the HSC, uh, toward, I think towards the end of April, but I think it's finishing on the 22nd of April, will collect all the bins, and then that medicine, all that medicine will be disposed of properly. By the, yeah, in the, proper the, the inappropriate sharing of, of medicines, Peter, that is probably more common than we care to... To you know, somebody gets sick. Oh, I I got tablets from the doctor there. I'll give you the you know it worked for me. She's a grand for you, and that's very dangerous. Absolutely, but I'm sure probably we've all done it at some stage, and that's and that makes it right. Um, because you know, and, and I think you know, antibiotics in particular. Oh yeah, I got I had a cough last year. I got an antibiotic for that, so I, I held on to them. Uh, it can be very very dangerous, especially if someone's got a penicillin allergy or something like that, and the, and the medicine contains penicillin in it. So it's it's never appropriate to share medicine. So 
it, it's best to, to, to get rid of them and, and, and return them to, to the local pharmacies, Troad, Cork and Kerry, that are pre- providing this uh, service. And the other one that I thought, and it was only when I was doing some research in advance of you coming on uh, today, flushing unused tablets down the toilet is the wrong thing to do as well. No, it's I, yeah, well, for the I, environment. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose, we, you know, we, again, that was probably something that happens, you know, decades ago. Um, but as we've become far more environmentally conscious, and we like we all know our, our wheelie bins nowadays, and we have you know we're segregating our waste and we're not putting it all into into landfill. Flushing tablets down the toilet is putting chemicals down the toilet, um, and th- this goes into our water course. I mean, it, it's something, and we in, in the end that cycles back around, um, and we end up consuming it, in, even though it's only in very trace amounts. Uh, we can end up with all these medicines being being in our in our water supply. So it's best to ensure that they're disposed of properly. And when you're taking back the medicines in, in, in this campaign, can we return over-the-counter medication? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, over-the-counter medicines are, 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 uh, can be just as, as, as dangerous as prescription medicines. So ab- absolutely, it's any medicines. I mean, the problem for pharmacies that I've seen in the past and, 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 I've, and my colleagues have seen is that people put all sorts of things back into these disposal bins um, and you know, don't do it properly. I mean, it's 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 a bit like if 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 you've got a glass disposal and you're throwing throwing in a carcass of a of a chicken or something. Yeah. People throw in sharps. They throw in all sorts of things. So we, I would I would ask people really to be considerate in what they're recycling and making sure that it is the medicines that they're recycling. But the old cough bottle that's at the back of the cupboard. Yeah. And if you pull out that cough bottle, there's a sell by date on it. Correct. And you can't read really, it, uh, and it's it, 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 it's more than a sell-by date. It's an expiry date, so it's not that ah well it'll be grand after a month or two after the expiry date. Yeah. You know, unless you're a pharmacist, you can, uh, and we might be able to decipher whether you can use something beyond an expiry date and the d- dangerous because medicines degrade o- over time, and the expiry date is the expiry date, yeah. and it's not to be used after that expiry date. Okay, and this is a free service. It's a free service paid for by. Cork County Council, Kerry County Council, um, in association with the HSC. So they're covering all the costs of that. The pharmacies aren't getting paid anything for this. It's just a service that's being offered, um, uh, and they will just collect it, and then the HSC. And, like, the disposal the, the disposal of these bins costs a lot of money. Uh, I mean, the, the standard bin that you'll see within the, the pharmacy for these collections, I think it costs about €120 Euros per bin to dispose of. So if you imagine your your standard wheelie bin, which might take about four of these ordinary bins, you're probably looking... If, if you took a standard wheelie bin, it would be about €500 Euros in cost to dispose of that. Wow. Wow. So it's quite expensive to dispose of these medicines, but that cost has been borne by... Uh, by the state through the through the various agencies. And when you're dropping old prescription and over-the-counter medication, does it have to have been purchased at that particular pharmacy? No, not no. in this case. I mean, no. um, it, it, you can dispose of any medicines to any of the bins. Okay, and, uh, and I'm told nearly all pharmacies across Cork and Kerry are participating. As far as I know, I don't have the figures, but I mean, uh, it's certainly something we've always participated in, um, and I know it's been, like, this campaign has been going on for many years, and the community care pharmacists in 
Cork, uh, a lady by the name of Louise Creed, who works for the HSE. She's been very good on this for uh, a decade or more that I can remember. Okay, spring clean out time. That includes the medicine cupboard, folks. And you have until Friday, April the 22nd as part of the dump campaign. Peter, as always, pleasure to speak to you. Thank you for that. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks for joining us. That is uh, Peter Weedle of uh, Weedle's Pharmacy in Mallow. 0818103103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862103103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818103103. And just a couple of questions in following my chat with Peter Weedle. Bernie says, Patricia, I remember the last time that they did this prescription dump campaign on behalf of the HSE. Some pharmacies would not take back medicine unless it was purchased in that pharmacy. Should they not take everything back? Well, I actually asked Peter that and he said certainly this time round. So maybe maybe on a previous dump where they were collecting them, they were only taking back ones that were purchased in that particular pharmacy but 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 no I asked I clearly asked Peter that and he said no but I suppose it's going to depend on individual pharmacies and check out with your individual pharmacy to make sure that they are taking part because we are told the majority of pharmacies across Cork and Kerry are taking part until the 22nd of April chance to have a spring clean get rid of all of the medicines but it's disposing of it properly it is so bad for the environment to either flush it down the toilet which was the old-fashioned way to do it or to put it in for landfill. So please don't do that. Now, sewerage treatment plants serving nearly 50 Celtic Tiger era housing estates here in County Cork urgently need upgrading are they could pose a potential pollution risk. That's according to research that's been conducted by Fine Gael Health spokesperson Deputy Colin Burke who now uh, joins me. Good morning to you Colin. Good morning Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Thank now while there are nearly 50 here in Cork how many of these sewerage plants do you reckon are dotted all over the country? Well I think there's well over 500. You see these plants were built as part of a building programme I suppose um, during the Celtic Tiger um, in other words the builders would also build the sewage treatment plants and unfortunately a lot of them are not up to standard and the problem for the local authority is that uh, many of these companies ended up in Nama. There were receivers appointed um, the receivers haven't been proactive in trying to get them upgraded and then the problem is the local authority don't don't have the funding to upgrade them and of course we have the additional problem then in that if the plants are not up to the standard for Irish Water wants them, they're not prepared to take them over and if Irish Water don't take over the water and the sewage treatment facilities um then the problem is the local authority are not able to take over the housing estates. So we have a number of different problems. Um, that really is a vicious circle, isn't it? it? Is particularly yeah. particularly now, for the people living in those houses. Well, it is. And uh, where it came to light with me is that um, recently, at around quarter past four on a Friday evening, I got a phone call from a housing estate where there's 40 houses, very well finished, very well finished estate. Unfortunately, the sewage um, system was totally blocked up. This was a quarter past four on a Friday evening. And in fairness, when I rang Cork County Council, they did put in place um, uh, a private company to come in and to look at it. And they were there within an hour and they, in fact, had to take action to clear the block sewers. Now, legally, the county council had no obligation 
uh, to engage the private contractor to do that because they don't, they, the estate has not been taken in charge. But there was this problem in that if there was sewage kind of coming up out of um, the sewers or outlets, then you have a health hazard and Ferris mm. Court County Council did take action. It wouldn't just be the householders who would be affected. Absolutely. And... Um, Basically, action was taken, but in fairness, no, we we're dealing with Cork County Council on it. My understanding is that they did apply for grants to the department for up to um, 47 different facilities around the county. Uh, they only got funding for about four. Um, so we have a lot of work to do on this, and I've raised this matter in the doll as well with the minister. Um, I do believe that we need to expedite this, and we need to bring all of these facilities up to standard so that Irish Water can take in char- can take uh, them over and manage them, and then that we can have the local authorities take over the housing estates. Because say for Arden's sake, you have a simple issue like footpaths or roads are are um, are become damaged in somewhere or other, then at the moment the local authority has no obligation to go in and do any repairs. Likewise, they have no obligation. And of course, to go there's in. no developer for the people who purchase those houses at huge cost. At huge if cost, they indeed. were they were bought during the Celtic Tiger. Yep. They have no because if the developer has gone bust or has gone into Nama, there's no one to go back and say you need to sort out this problem. No, and then the bond schemes as well have um, have collapsed as well. So there is a there is a lot of problems from that point of view, and some of the bonds have expired as well, where local authorities try to call them in. So we have a, quite a number of difficult issues to resolve, and I don't think it should be put on the long finger. Um, I intend keeping pressure on the department to set up a program where it's just clearly planned out program, whether it's two years, three years, four years, but at least have a program in place for all of these facilities to be brought up to standard that local authorities can then be provided with the funding and that then Irish Water can take them over but we need to have a clear plan set out by the department on this matter. Yeah and it's you know in in defence of of the council it's not their fault if they don't have the funding they need the funding. They need the funding and it is expensive to bring a lot of these facilities up to standard and then of course you have the the whole problem in that you might have a a sewage treatment plant you know the outflow of um, treated water you may you may have to take into account um for instance the flow of the rivers or the streams for instance it might be grand for um treated water to be flowing into a stream during the winter months when there's high level of water there but in the summer months there isn't and it can cause its own damage if you don't have it properly structured and that's where i'm very much concerned about that we need to make sure we bring all of these plants up to standard okay. and so you're raising it you're raising it at government level then absolutely yeah. and uh, I, this is going to be i suppose a long drawn out battle um, it's about trying to get the, the department. I know there's a lot of pressures on the department, but I do believe that this is something that um, has to be dealt with immediately. OK, and uh, okay, revert back to us on that, uh, Colm. I'd be, I'd be interested because I really feel for the people living in those households, you know. And I mean, many of them are in negative plants are right around the county. They're yeah. not in any one particular area. Yeah. They're stretching from West Cork to North Cork to East and West. And, and, and we're talking about what built now many, some of them over 20 years ago. Yeah, I've been looking at some of the planning commissions. Some of the planning commissions that go back to 2001. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, okay. so they're built with quite a while. And just, just while, while we have you on the line, just on a slightly different uh, topic, the, the broadband hub that's gone into Inascara Community Centre, t- tell me uh, about that and, and how important that is for the area. Well, I think it's 
it's very important. We know are getting back replies when I apply for people are looking for to get broadband connection, and then we get on to um, the national broadband network, and we find that it's maybe 2005, 2006 before, um, or sorry, 2025, 2026 before there is that uh, connection, um, and therefore. We, the local authority, I think Cork County Council got funding to put up, to put in place 17 broadband hubs around the county. There's one in Whitechurch, there's one in Habaluk, um, there's one in Corprac, and they're the ones I can think of immediately. Mm. But, and this is for, you know, it might be young people who are studying, whether it's primary, whether it's secondary school or <clears throat> third level, or it might be people who want to work from home but cannot get access to a broadband hub home. And, <clears throat> we're setting up these community homes. Now, the problem then was that um, the Enniscara wasn't on its list, and there's quite a number of areas that are not on the list for for work to be done in this area. So <clears throat> when I raised the matter with the Minister, uh, Heather Humphreys, the Minister dealing with Rural Affairs, and the importance of broadband um, connectivity in rural areas is extremely important, and therefore we must keep the pressure on that to try and get broadband into every rural area and that people have access to it um, when they need it. So as a result of, I suppose, um, the disagreement I had with the Minister in the Dáil, um, Minister did get in contact with Cork County Council, and in fairness to Cork County Council, they did contact a company called Imagine, and Imagine have now put in place um, a broadband hub in Inniscara. It's free there to the centre for um, for two years, and basically that people in that immediate area will be able to use it. Now, I think there's some work still to be done there for it to be up, uh, fully operational, but that will be done within a very short time frame. But the connection has been made now by Imagine, and I think it's... Um, and there's a number of other facilities that I'm working on at the moment that we might be able to use the same yeah, it's, mechanism. You know, when we look back on the... <coughs> when we can't even say look back on the pandemic because the pandemic is still with us, but when we reflect on the last two years of the pandemic, the one thing that it did put a spotlight on was remote working and how beneficial remote working can be for so many people. But you can only uh, have remote working if you have good and decent broadband. Yeah, and I suppose that the, the issue that we had, for instance, you take Corbrack, we had a problem with Corbrack and that we couldn't get landlines into new houses. There was over 100 new houses built that we couldn't get landlines into them. Um, we couldn't get, there's no mobile phone access because it's just one of those areas that's badly affected by mobile phone access. And in fairness, we did get broadband in to their, uh, at that stage and they've also put in a broadband hub in the community centre because the broadband connection was only made in the houses that were newly built. It wasn't made to the houses which are built for quite a long period of time. And it was AIR who put in the broadband connection there in Corbrack. But we have a huge number of areas where there is, it's mixed in that you could be in what we call the amber area, which means it's under the National Broadband Programme. If it's in the blue area, then one of the private contractors can provide broadband for you. And the problem with Inascaro we had was that part of it is in the blue area, part of it is in the amber area. Therefore, quite a lot of people will not have access to broadband for quite a period of time. Yeah. And yeah. and I suppose to, to highlight the issue in relation to Inascaro is that Inascaro Parish has over 900 uh, students in primary school which gives an indication of the population you're dealing with. It's a young population. It's a young population, a young population. and population. therefore you have a quite a large number who are then in secondary school, either in Coachford, Blarney, Cork City or Ballincollig. So it's um, it's something that 
you know, we need access and we need it also for people who are working from home, who want to work from home. And then we can have that hub in place. And sooner rather than later. Colm, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Deputy Colm Burke, 0818 103 103. Bernie, taking your calls. With the C103 foreplay for 4K, we decided that we would do it all over again. And I can let you in on a little secret. I can guarantee you that we are going to play the foreplay for 4K sometime this week. And we're not going to let you wait around too long. It's either going to be today, tomorrow or Wednesday. Guaranteed, I'm told by the powers that be. And no, I don't know when it's going to be played. I get asked more times when I'm out. Is somebody saying, any idea when the 4, 4K for foreplay is going to be on? And I don't. I actually don't know. But all I do know is I did a bit of snooping around and it is going to be played by this Wednesday, the 23rd of March. One of our listeners is going to be €4,000 better off. Remember, it's four brand new songs. You're listening out for Queen. It's a kind of magic. Dermot Casey's Giants is song number two. Song number three then is that great classic track from Madonna, Like a Prayer. And the fourth and final song is one of my favourites. I have to say it's the Ed uh, and John and Dua Lipa collaboration on Cold Heart. Now it's when you hear the four songs, they've got to be in that order. It's when the Elton John Dua Lipa song starts to play, that's when you really need to get dialing. You then need to be caller 103 in order to win the €4,000. The number to call, the only number to call is 0818 103 103 because the last time on the 4K, the 4 play for 4K, I couldn't get over the number of people who were ringing the office lines. It's only the 0818 103 103. It's the on-air line that you must call that's foreplay for 4k with McCrew Motors where your journey to electric begins with a full range of Toyota self-charging hybrid vehicles see McCroomMotors.com and stay listening to win only here on C103 best of luck and as I say it will be played by this coming Wednesday some of your calls and comments coming in I can see questions coming in for Annalise Drussell please keep those coming our nutritional therapist because she joins us later on this hour you can call Bernie or you can text or WhatsApp me 0862103103 and then on different issues coming up uh, for topics today. John and Cove was on to us to say he reckons it was September of last year Cork County Council carried out a rent review of their tenants and I'm assuming this was done of all of their tenants across Cork County. The tenants in Cove got letters last week about the completion of that rent review. John says a single person living on €208 per week and that would be somebody who would be living on a standard social welfare payment. They have seen their rent go up by €2. It's gone up to €32 per week. It has and was at the moment at €30. But John says the big sting and that can be if you're on I mean €2 mightn't sound like a lot to many people but if you know exactly where every single one of your €208 euro is going every week suddenly you have to find the two euro from somewhere it has to be saved somewhere if you're living on a very very tight budget and some people do some people budget and literally manage it down to the last uh, euro but it's working tenants that John said some are getting a real sting from a rent increase according to John working tenants are assessed on their gross pay not their net take-home pay. So we said there's no allowances made for how much tax somebody pays, how much PRSI somebody pays, the, the, the PRSI, the levy, all, you know, 
there's a lot comes out of what you what you see on a gross wage can be very different than when you actually go to cash the cheque or the money comes into your bank account on your net wage. And John says none of that is taken in. It's they only look at the gross wage. He says that a number of tenants have seen their rents double this year. He's, he's knows now I don't know if it's himself or others he's talking about rent uh, was 70 euro a week going up to 140 euro per week which is exactly double what they were paying because of the rent review and I'm assuming the rent review is done like almost like a means tested it's quite a strict quite quite a strict way of doing it and it's very much in black and white it's very much to do with the income coming into the house so could it be that the tenants that are working, John, that what you're talking about, I mean, for to double seems unreal. But could it be that there's extra people working in the house? People are doing overtime, more money has come into the house. I'm wondering, it's got to be, that's got to be, it's got because it's got to do with the income coming into the house. But anyway, John is wondering, have others seen a doubling of rent or how are other people who are living in council council tenants following that rent review have many others seen it go up and when he talks about a single person on social welfare I take it that's across the board is it that everybody living on social welfare with just social welfare of of an income from Cork County Council and this ties in with everything is rising at the moment is it not your thoughts welcomed on that to 0818103103 or you can text or whatsapp 0862103103 Hi, uh, Patricia. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. This is from Michael. Just to let people know, there's a scam call on the go today. I've just received two calls. It's purporting to be from Air Technical Department. Two different people on each call, says uh, Michael. There's a slight delay after you say hello. And then eventually somebody kicks in saying that with the Air Technical Department. By the way, says Michael, I I didn't wait around to find out what was the line of operation was all about. So please be careful. And actually somebody, thank you for that, Michael, somebody who would love to hear from air was one of our listeners. I spotted this early this morning. I'm only getting around to it now with a bit of a miserable weekend because of air. Patricia, you asked people at the stop start of the programme, did they enjoy the extra long bank holiday? Well, let, let me tell you about my four days off and the extra long bank holiday. I live on my own. I have air for my network. On Wednesday night, my Wi-Fi cut out. On Thursday, being the day that it was in, it's St. Patrick's Day, there was no answering from when I rang the air helpline. So Friday, I did manage to get through and I told them there's something wrong with the line. And they said, sorry about that. No one will be calling until Monday or Tuesday of this week. I asked if there was somebody on call out to fix over a weekend to be told that there that this was a big company and they didn't do call outs over bank holiday weekends i have my broadband my phone and my tv all with the company so i ended up for the four days thursday friday saturday and sunday with nothing i spent the five days and nights crying I was so uh, depressed. I think it's a disgrace. This morning, somebody from AIR got on and said it could be tomorrow. If you could do it to help me out, sign a depressed lady. Oh, that's tough going. That really, really is tough to lose everything together like that. That's uh, Let us know how you get on and hopefully they will call to you today and you'll be back up and running again. We mentioned COVID earlier on when we were speaking with Peter Weedle local pharmacist from Mallow and the 
I was just making the point that I I don't think at any other time in the pandemic have I heard of so many people who seem to be testing positive for COVID-19. Now, thankfully, I don't know anyone who's very sick. And in a lot of cases, it's people saying, yeah, I've tested positive. I had a scratchy throat. I did an antigen test or tested positive. People were shocked to see that they had tested positive. But a lot of them, a bit like Michal Martin and the isolating over in Washington, fine, no real symptoms at all. But of course, if you test positive, you must uh, isolate. Patricia, I've done several antigen tests, all negative. But when I went and got a PCR done, it was positive. Are we wasting our time and money with antigen tests? Well, no, you're not. I mean, there will always be false negatives on antigen tests. And on the reliability, remember, antigen tests are most accurate when you actually have symptoms. And they say that an antigen test is most accurate when used in the first week after symptoms develop. I think it's a 78% accuracy. But yes, if you, particularly if you don't have a lot of symptoms, they can generate false uh, negatives. But at the moment, certainly everybody I know that has tested positive, it hasn't been on a PCR test, it has been on an ant- antigen uh, test. Because I think now in order to get a PCR test, as far as I know, you have to go through your GP. What they're trying to get people to do is to do it on antigen tests because there just seems to be so much uh, COVID out there at the moment. And um, there's so much COVID out there at the moment. And says, are we heading back into lockdown, Patricia? Or will there be further restrictions? Well, the Taoiseach, or the Taoiseach, who I mentioned, Leif Radker, when he was at that National Day of Remembrance and Reflection for all those who've died and all those who worked through uh, COVID-19. Uh, very much saying what well, it was a day of reflection and remembrance. We certainly are not out of the woods when it comes to uh, COVID-19. But he did, when he was asked about a rise in the the amount of COVID in the community. He said it's very, very unlikely that we'll be facing any new public health restrictions. He did say we are battling another wave of COVID-19, but certainly there's no talk of lockdowns or even any of the older restrictions that we had, like mask wearing or any of that. None of that. They're not talking about any of that at the moment. But he did say, yes, we are into another wave of COVID-19. He said the spike in infection rates though, he said it's not causing undue concern and he said that's due to the high vaccination rates among the population and it's not just here in Ireland, this is happening right across Europe we're into a second wave of uh, Omicron but he says we're not in any way contemplating or looking at any kind of repetition of restrictions and he made you know, a fairly valid point. We're in a very different situation say to this time last year I mean this time last year Certainly I didn't have my, I didn't even have a date for my vaccine this time last year. We were only at the start of the vaccination uh, process. So he was saying very different situation to last year when there was a lot of COVID in the uh, community. We have the high rate of uh, vaccinations. And even though cases are high in the community, the number of people getting sick, the number of people being hospitalised, requiring ICU treatment and the number of patients dying is still quite low relative to what it was at other stages and other waves of coronavirus. But he says on the rising number of people in hospital, he said that is cause for concern, but not quite for panic. And they're monitoring the situation very uh, tightly, but it isn't causing undue concern at this stage. And remember, about 50% of the people that are in hospital who have tested positive for COVID-19 are in hospital for something else. They're not they're not being treated for uh, COVID. And uh, the Thornish, uh, as I mentioned when I was speaking with Peter Weedle, also yesterday spoke about this fourth vaccine programme that is going to be particularly aimed at older people and the medically vulnerable and it is now looking like 
they were talking about doing that next winter. It's going to be done. I think it's going to be in the summertime. I can see it coming. It's already in some European countries. They've already started that an additional booster for older people and medically vulnerable. So certainly there's another there is another dose on the way. And somebody says, Patricia, I've had my second booster already. I had it about two weeks ago. I got it for my GP. I was notified I was due it from the uh, HSE. I'd be considered vulnerable. Yeah, there's a, there's a number of people in an, in at-risk groups that have already had an additional booster shot. But you may be called back again as we head into the summer for another booster. But they're also looking at people not in the at-risk groups and certain cohorts of older people that they're saying may need that, may need that additional, the fourth one that you've already received. But that's not to say you're not finished with it yet. You could be asked, you could be seen to get more, to another one, certainly for sure. 0818103103. Bernie is taking your calls. A lot of questions coming in for Annalise. Keep those questions coming, please. You can call Bernie or you can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Donnerail Active Retirement Group, they're holding their next meeting this afternoon at 3 o'clock. It's in the Presentation Pastoral Centre and all are welcome. Rahan National School, they're fundraising to extend their play area and they're also hoping to create a biodiversity trail. You're pleased to ask to support their raffle, which will take place on Friday the 8th of April. Tickets are available from the school or by logging on to idonate.ie forward slash fundraiser forward slash Rahan NS Sports Development Fund. And the Ballandangan players are presenting Ladies of Spirit. It's in Ballandangan Community Centre. It runs from this Wednesday, 23rd of March, to next Sunday, the 27th of March, 8 o'clock each night. Tickets are €10 and €5 for children and they're available from 085-607-9251. And a coffee morning will go ahead in Hurley's Centre, Main Street in Mallow. And that's from 10.30am to 12 noon. And that's this Friday for Daffodil. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 103. And let's wrap up on some of your texts coming in before we go to Annalise to answer all of your nutritional questions. Sean says, Patricia, I travelled the road between Torelton and Copeen. Travelled there about a week ago and I drove into a very bad pothole. I travelled that same road again yesterday and guess what? It's still the same. That pothole is still there. That to me, says Sean, is a shame. I, well, I always say to people when they come across, particularly if it was a, a, a very bad pothole, I don't know whether it damaged your car or damaged your wheel or not, is to contact the council and make them aware of the pothole or contact a local councillor and make them aware of exactly where the pothole is. Because we have found in the past that if enough people draw attention to a particularly bad pothole and the councillor alerted to it, you know, they've got a limited budget. They're doing the best that they can. And how often have we spoke about road conditions across Cork County? And the problem is that the council are not getting enough funding for the amount of roads we have with the largest county in Ireland. So therefore we have the most roads to cover and they're doing the best that they can. So contact them, Sean, and 
give them the exact details of where that pothole is and you would be surprised they really do try to do their best if it's a particularly bad or a dangerous one. Thank you for your text and Gerard was on to say Hi Patricia and team I was in touch with you last week read the new TV show that was going up on ITV Holden Well I definitely would not be tuning in tonight I'll maybe do something productive instead like watching paint dry have a good week says Jared, who obviously was not a, fa- a fan of it's the TV adaptation of Graham Norton's book uh, Holden now I did watch it I, I did watch it I was I got distracted unfortunately in the, mi- in the middle of it so I had to get jump all the next day to fill me in on some of the storyline that I actually missed I, I enjoyed it I have to say I thought the acting was particularly good and I loved I absolutely loved looking at the scenes in, on Drimmer League and the scenes around West Cork and I, there's something lovely about when filming goes on in an area that you know well. I, I, I liked that and I know certainly for people in West Cork a lot of them were, would have been extras taking part so they'd be great fun trying to pick out either yourself or, or somebody you know. I have to say Gerard, we had a mixed reaction to it because yes you're right I was mentioning it on Monday to let people know and to remind people that it was on but particularly the fact that it was, you know, it, there's so much connection to Cork, be it Graeme. It's, it's based on his book, even though he's got nothing to do with the making of the TV show. Uh, but also the fact that it was filmed in West Cork. And we had done so many interviews last year when they were doing shout outs for extras. So, yeah, so we certainly had an interest in it here, here on the programme. But we had a mixed reaction. We had people who loved it and we had others who didn't love it. And actually, when we dug a little bit deeper last Tuesday morning, we discovered that people in Britain... Uh, in England couldn't understand the Cork accents and were having huge problems understanding the Cork accents to the point of a number of people had to switch on the subtitles onto their TV screens. I thought the Cork accents uh, were fine. But anyway, there's, as Jared. I wonder for others, will they be watching it or not? But Jared is certainly going to watch Paint Dry instead and do something a little bit more productive. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And Barbara's on to say, Patricia, have you seen this new obesity drug. I heard mention of it earlier. Do you know much about it? I, I don't. I discovered it I in the papers. There's a lot of commentary in the paper about it. It's a new obesity drug and it's been found to reduce body weight by three to four stone. 19 to 38 kgs and it's been approved for use in Ireland. It's the European Medicines Agencies has approved the drug Wegovy, Wegovy, Wegovy. I have no idea how you pronounce it. It's W-E-G-O-V-Y. It's been now approved for patient use in every EU country, which obviously includes us here in Ireland. And it's for adults with obesity who have at least one weight-related health issue. And it's a drug that's administered. You take a weekly injection, but it's found to affect weight last 17% of patients who took it every week for a year. So I imagine that weight loss when they talk about three to four stone is over a year. You know, everybody has waited for kind of a miracle drug that would arrive. You get an injection once a week and you'd lose all the weight or you'd pop a tablet once a week and suddenly all the weight would would disappear. It doesn't quite seem to be like that, but it certainly is causing great excitement within the community of people who work with work with people who suffer from obesity and I know you know different hospitals that run obesity clinics they're saying that this particular drug could revolutionise 
the management of obesity. So it's certainly going to be welcomed by a lot of people. Now, what we've done, because like Barbara, who's contacted us, we know we knew little or nothing about it. We just heard that this drug had been approved by the European Medicines Agency. So we're going to have an expert join us on the programme tomorrow and we'll try to find out as much about it as we can and who's likely to be able to get this particular drug and um, and we'll, we'll do our best to find out as much as we can about it tomorrow on the programme. So if anybody has questions to do with weight loss and obesity and this particular drug, you can get questions into us. As I say, we'll deal with it tomorrow. And talking to questions, a lot of questions in for Annelise Dressel, our nutritional therapist. Keep those questions coming. You can call Bernie at 0818103103 or you could text or WhatsApp your questions for Annelise to 0862. 103103. Nutritional advice on C103 with Somega, Ireland's purest range of health supplements to get you through winter. Better nutrition, better health with Somega, a West Cork company. GoSomega.com. And Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballincollig joining us to answer all of your questions. Good afternoon, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're very welcome to the programme. OK, lots and lots of questions in. And kind of the one that comes in every week uh, is summed up by Bridget in Mallow. There's a few people in with a similar question. Recovering from COVID, what's a good tonic for the tiredness? Can't shake the tiredness. She has a bottle of Source of Life Gold, but she's just spotted that the use-by date was August of last year. Would that be still OK to use or would she need to get a fresh bottle? I think it would be fine to use, Patricia, unless, I mean, if it, if it was opened, it, maybe not. But if it hasn't been opened or if it was opened and kept in the fridge, these things really don't go off. The worst that can happen is that it mightn't be as um, strong as it should be. It possibly won't be as much vitamin C in it as it says on the back. But it should be fine to take. Um, that's a good one. The other one we're recommending as well is the Revive Active. Now, the post-viral fatigue is quite common for COVID, Patricia. And actually, I have to say to people as well, you know, it's it's like a bad flu. You know, people who have a very bad flu will be in bed for at least, you know, five to ten days. It takes two to three weeks to recover. So it's the same for COVID and even sometimes a little bit longer. So don't push yourself. Don't take on too much. Don't go back to work before you feel ready. Because if you do force yourself into kind of getting back into your normal busy life, your fatigue will last for longer. Okay, Bridget is in Cork City, suffers from polymyalgia, is on steroids. She's one, she's wondering, obviously not happy to be on steroids. She's saying, is there anything else she can take besides besides the steroids? Yeah, so polymyalgia is where there is inflammation in multiple parts of the body, in tissues and sometimes in joints as well. There's also fibromyalgia, Patricia. Fibromyalgia really affects the tissues and not so much the joints. And um, there's a couple of different theories behind it. In my own experience, I do find a lot of people who suffer from both poly and fibromyalgia have IBS. So it seems to be that the immune system is driven into kind of a, I suppose, an advanced stage of inflammation. And there is a theory that it also causes inflammation in the part of the brain, Patricia, that perceives pain so that your pain is very much amplified compared to what it would be for some people might feel a light touch on the arm. For people with poly or fibromyalgia, they would feel that as being very painful. 
So the pain has been amplified. It's a completely anti-inflammatory approach. So the first thing I do with clients when they come to see me is I clean up the diet. I remove any kind of food intolerances. If there's IBS there, I would resolve that as well because that is driving inflammation. And I would follow an anti-inflammatory diet. And the best anti-inflammatory diet, and it comes back time and time again with studies, is the Mediterranean diet. And if you Google it, you'll find loads of information on that. And then in terms of natural anti-inflammatories, vitamin D is very important. So if you haven't had your vitamin D levels checked with the doctor, take anything between 1,000 to 2,000 IUs a day. But it is good to have it checked because some people have a much higher requirement and you may need more. The other thing we find great as well is um, Nutri Advanced, this company, they do a a product called Curcudine 40. It's C-U-R-C-U-D-Y-N. Forte. And what it is really, it's just a blend of a couple of different natural anti-inflammatories. There's turmeric in it, the turmeric extract high strength. There's boswellia in there, which comes from frankincense. That's a really powerful natural anti-inflammatory. And there's some ginger in it as well. We get very good feedback on that, Patricia. And the last thing I'd mention then is if it's for very sore and tight muscles, magnesium supplements can help as well. Now, you can get lots of different kinds. Cheap and cheerful will do. Try and get magnesium citrate because it's better absorbed. And if you have difficulty sleeping, the magnesium biglycinate is lovely at night because the glycine part is great for sleep. So that can be very good to ease out painful and sore muscles. Okay, Nuala in Kantarkazan about potassium in her blood. I'm assuming she's after getting a reading of high levels of potassium in her blood. Uh, What harm can it do? Um, Okay, so it would have to be really, really high to cause harm, Patricia. So it's not worrying if it's just slightly elevated. Generally, it's um, something to do with the kidneys. So in this case, you'd have to make sure the kidneys are are healthy. Um, It could be that there's too much potassium. I mean, I never recommend potassium supplements on their own for that reason, Patricia, unless they're required, medically required. Um, but it could be something in the diet. I mean, mostly fruit and veg are very high in potassium, but it's very hard to overdose on potassium from those sources. So make sure that it's not in any supplements that you're taking and ensure the kidneys are healthy. Taking good electrolytes could balance it out. So taking something like maybe magnesium and sodium and calcium, these could all possibly balance it out. So, uh, you know, taking... um, um, any of those supplements might help just to reduce it in the system. Okay, a listener who is suffering from problems with her sinuses have just finished yet another course of antibiotics and a salt nasal spray, but I'm still feeling congested. Could Annalise recommend anything naturally I could take to free up sinuses? Yeah, so it depends, um, Patricia. I think if people's sinuses are blocked a lot in the winter, it tends to be a kind of a reaction to the damp and mold. It could be that you're very sensitive or allergic to it. Um, So unfortunately, um, air purifiers in the house are the only thing that would resolve that. If it's still as a result of infection, you could try a couple of things. Maybe the infection hasn't fully cleared up. I love the oregano oil. It's such a powerful, powerful natural antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal. You'll buy it as an essential oil in any health store. And you can put a couple of drops of that into a bowl of boiling water and uh, put the towel over the head and do a steam inhalation. And the oregano oil compounds will get right up into the sinus passages and kill off anything that are there. So it is great for unblocking the nose as well, but it is good for killing off any infection. And of course, our old favourite, the Dr. Claire Mucotone, which I'm taking myself at the moment, um, 
My father calls it the mud tonic. <laughs> um, it's fantastic, though. It is great because it does boost the immune system because you do need to fight off a virus and an infection as well. So it does boost the immune system as well as containing some lovely herbs that will help dry up that mucus. So that's the Dr. Claire Mucotone. Kay is listening to us in Limerick. She's 62. She's had two antibiotics for diverticulitis. Any tips from Annalise? Uh, because I certainly would not like to get it again, says uh, Kay. It can be very painful, Patricia. So diverticulitis is where the, the smooth muscle of the colon has blown out and the muscle has become weakened and it has blown out into kind of little pouch. And what can happen is that food or other particle matters can get stuck and get infected and it's very very painful so when you once the damage has been done it's hard to undo that damage to the muscle but the big um, way of avoiding it is to make sure that you're having a regular daily bowel movement so I'm a big fan of the psyllium husk even people who are told that they need to follow a low fiber diet the psyllium husk can suit Patricia because it actually goes into a very gloopy kind of gel it's what they call a soluble fiber so it doesn't get stuck in the pockets and it can actually help to bring form to a very loose stool because the gel can hold it together but it can also soften a very hard stool and it can help the stool slide through and not get stuck so I would definitely recommend one tablespoon of that at least every day on the porridge or breakfast cereal in the morning. Probiotic is essential especially after antibiotics because you'll have killed off all the good bacteria in the gut and they're the ones that can help prevent infection so get a good probiotic I like the Udo's Super 8's a great one, or the Udo's Adult Blend. And another nice one is the um, the BioCult is another lovely one as well. They do a very strong one as well as a normal one. And that'll get the good bacteria in there. And then if you are struggling with constipation, natural laxatives would be things like um, aloe vera juice is very good. There is something called Aloe Complex, um, which is a big, a big seller in our shop. It's got some aloe in there, a little bit of magnesium and a little bit of prune extract. And it's a very gentle, natural way to get yourself going regularly without causing urgency or without becoming addictive. Okay. Hi, Annelise. Could you recommend something for joint soreness and pain? My husband is a builder and he's been told he could end up needing to have surgery on his shoulders. Therefore, it would mean he'd have to give up his work. His joints click and snap on a regular basis. Would you suggest anything that might help? Yes, I think probably something like collagen um, would be good, uh, Patricia, there. Uh, if, if they're kind of, the collagen is very important because it does a couple of jobs. Firstly, it does help build the cartilage part of the joint, but it also is very important for the little cushion in between the joints. So um, generally, marine collagen is, is hailed as the better form of collagen to take. But bovine collagen from from, um, animals is fine as well. You'll find it in any health shop. Um, Revive actually do a joint supplement that has got marine collagen in it. It's called uh, Revive Active Joint. It's in a blue box. And that's one sachet every day. And it's a few different things in there for bones and for joint. It's a lovely one. Uh, You can buy just collagen on its own. There's an Irish company called Gal Vitamins. They have a wonderful chicken cartilage that's very good we get great feedback on that one that's got collagen in it and the last one I'd recommend is the one we talk about sometimes the UC2 cartilage Um, it's coming again from a chicken Um, it's by that company Gal and there's a little bit of turmeric extract in it as a natural anti-inflammatory 
So any of those should do the job, but it'll take a couple of weeks before, like at least four to six weeks before you'll notice a benefit. Liz wants to know, can she take ashwagandha plus with blood pressure tablets? It should be okay, Patricia. Um, The ashwagandha should raise, it's ginseng really, we need to be very careful with blood pressure for also, for people who are on blood pressure tablets, their blood pressure is controlled. So generally, um, it's only if the blood pressure is uncontrolled, it would be a huge problem. Like all of these herbs are not meant to be taken long term anyway. So um, now I think ashwagandha generally, people do come on and off it um, on a regular basis. But I think that in terms of blood pressure, it should be fairly safe. But like everybody is very different. Just maybe get your blood pressure checked or if you notice you start to get a bit headachy, keep away from it. Okay, could you ask Annalise, please, chamomile tea, is that good to help you sleep if taken two hours before bed? It can help, definitely. It's certainly one of the go-tos for a lot of people for their nighttime cup of tea. Um, Everyone will have to try it, Patricia, to see if it will work for them. I'd say the problem with something like that is that if you have to get up to go to the loo, then it's counterproductive, really, isn't it? Because you're having a cup of tea before you go to bed and then you wake up to go to the loo. So, um, you might maybe do better from some kind of drops like valerian drops. These are great because they definitely stop the busy body, busy brain. You can take just a few drops before you go, about half an hour before you go to sleep, and they definitely help. And you could have your chamomile tea then two hours before. So if the chamomile tea didn't do it, the valerian should do it. The other one that we get great feedback on is the NHP um, advanced sleep support, which is capsules. So they won't affect your ability to sleep without having to get up to the loop. Um, and we get great feedback on them. They're a combination of about seven or eight different kind of sleep remedies in, in you take two capsules about an half an hour, an hour before you go to bed. Um, so any of those will do. You can also probably get um, um, chamomile in tablets if you, if you don't want to have to get up to go to the loo. OK, and let's end where we started with another COVID question. This is from Linda, who's a nurse suffering from long COVID she said, I'm out of work with fatigue, dizziness and headaches. I'm on, now it's, and I'm, I'm always fearful with predictive texts, CERC, S-E-R-C, 16 milligrams, three times daily, but I'm still having the dizzy spells. My fatigue worsens in the afternoon and in the evening time. Could Annalise suggest anything that would help with my symptoms, please? Okay, well, the CERC is generally given for vertigo, so as there must be um, the dizziness, the doctor must think the dizziness is as a result of that, and that's generally an inflammation of the canals of the inner ear. So natural anti-inflammatories will help over time with that, but it's very slow, Patricia, I can tell you. So something like the Curcudine Forte I spoke of earlier, the combination of um, Boswellia and the turmeric extract, that would work well for that. But in terms of the fatigue, there's a couple of things you could try. The first one is ginseng. And that will give you an immediate lift. Now, ginseng is not a good one for long term. And as we said earlier, not a good one if you've got uncontrolled high blood pressure. But it can give you a lift. And one of the, a lovely one we have in the shop and we get great feedback on is called Dynamic Synergy. It's a blend of different um, ginsengs by a company called Terra Nova. And that's very good. And in some of the research I've been doing about long COVID, taking a dose of niacin, um, is uh, can help hugely. It's uh, one of the B vitamins. But niacin is, if you take it in its proper form, it causes a flush, Patricia, and it makes you very red. So it isn't always suitable to take if you have to be in work because you'd look like a beetroot. But if you can take it at home, that can help. And that might, it's a great vasodilator. So in a roundabout way, it might help with the dizziness as well. Okay. Listen, have a good week. 
Can I just mention, Patricia, before I go, just the last few places available for the eye test. Uh, oh, yeah. Irina McSweeney is coming with this fabulous machine to check the health of the eye and if it's being damaged by blue light from screens, etc. Okay. It checks the back of the macular. So we have a couple of appointments left this Thursday coming. It's only €25, Euros, so if people want to give them uh, give their shop And it's, a, it's we'll at the shop. In. It's at the shop. That's the shop in the shop. Okay. Yeah. All right, listen, thank you for that. Thanks, have a good Patricia. week and we'll chat next week. That's Annalise Drissel of the Health Hub, Times Square, Balancolic. And of course, you can check out everything we've mentioned with Annalise. She'll put it up on her website this afternoon as heard on the radio on thehealthhubstore.com. Nutritional advice on C103 with Somega, Ireland's purest range of health supplements to get you through winter. Better nutrition, better health with Somega, a West Cork company. GoSomega.com That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy for producing. And we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. A very good afternoon. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 